1: Just to mix it up, this is Bill Huber with Matt Schneidman, head of the pack. Matt is afraid to say head of the pack in the airport of, at O'Hare in Chicago. That's why I'm betting leadoff. Matt, how you doing?
2: Uh, I'm I'm all right. I'm tired. I uh, did not sleep last night. You know, I left the press box at about 3:30 in the morning. I had a flight at 6:45. From uh, Buffalo to O'Hare, I'm at O'Hare right now. My flight to Appleton leaves in about an hour and 15 minutes, so we're trying to get a podcast in. No one wants to hear me complain. You want to hear us complain and fuel your misery about the Green Bay Packers, so that's why we're here. What you, you know? What Bill? Let's start with a positive. They're three and five, but the offense showed us some stuff last night. We'll get we'll get into all the bad. The offense showed us some stuff last night. I'm sorry I'm stuttering over my words. I'm working on about 30 minutes of sleep. Um, The Bills came into the game as the number one rush defense in the NFL. 76.2 rushing yards allowed per game. And the Packers ran for 208 and 6.7 yards per carry. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon really ran the rock well. Um, It's ironic. I wonder if you thought the same thing watching the game, that – after all these years of Matt LaFleur saying, oh, we got down early, we abandoned the run, they stuck to the run, down multiple scor- scores, and it actually worked.
1: <laughs> you know, here's what I was thinking in watching the game, Matt. I was thinking LaFleur knows they're going to lose this game. They're getting their tails kicked. Maybe he's using this game because the game is over. It's 24-7, to 7, right? The game is over. Yeah. Maybe he's using this game to build for the second half of the season. He's going to run the football. Because it's finally dawned on them that that's how they're going to win football games. So the second half of that football game was to get ready for the rest of the season. That's what I think. We'll see. I'm sure he would never say it. I'm sure he's never going to go up there later today, Matt, and say, yeah, I knew you were screwed, Bill, so we're going to run the ball. But I'm wondering if that was the plan. What we do best is run the football. That's what we're going to do for the second half of the season. Uh, we're going to use this as our preseason and get ready for it. Because it, it did work. Buffalo is number one in the league in yards per carry. Allowed. And they ran it right down to the throat. Aaron Jones, I had 14 missed tackles last night, Matt. That was incredible. He was awesome.
2: He was really good. I, I made the joke that, you know, is going to offer a couple first-round picks for him before he gets back on the bus. <laughs> listen, he, he was the best player on the field for the Packers last night. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, at least. I thought Jair Alexander was really good on defense. Yep. Um, listen... This is going to have to be their identity second half of the season, and they're really going to have to lean into it. Rogers said after the game, you know, for us to be successful, I'm paraphrasing here, we're going to have to throw the ball downfield. No, you don't. <laughs> what do you mean? No. You know, the, the Packers don't have any wide receivers who can separate downfield. Um, Romeo Dobbs made a hell of a touchdown catch, and Smory Touré kind of broke loose in garbage time. Um, don't but, say
1: garbage time, Matt. The, the quarterback could take say, exception of
2: that right. phrase. Don't say garbage time. Guess what, Bill? I'm going to say garbage time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, so was Ryan Wood when he said that. So so listen, there were there were some nice moments on offense, specifically in the run game. But like you said, it reminds me of Aaron Boone watching the Yankees so much. Like There are just these punt games that he does and in the middle of those games where he knows he's going to lose or he doesn't expect to win, he tests things out. And... You know, I, I won't go as far to say Lafleur was like, oh, we're not going to win. But maybe it was a little bit of an experiment. It was a little questionable that they just let the clock keep running. But how else were they going to get yards? They right. weren't going to move the ball any other way. So they had no choice. And that's the problem with this offense is they can't do a lot of things well. And that's just the state of state of the Green Bay Packers offense. But I asked Aaron Jones after the game if he thought this was a step forward uh for the offense, and he said unequivocally, yes. Maybe it is a building block. They're a game- listen, I know it's doom and gloom, and I'm not gonna write my stories as if there's, you know, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But the fact of the matter is, and I'll acknowledge this in my stories too, they are one game out of a playoff spot. 49ers currently hold the seven seed. They're four and four. Packers are three and five. They play the worst team in football on Sunday in Detroit. They should be able to win that one. Knock on wood. I can't find any wood around me, but knock
1: on wood. There, there you go. There you go. Well, they they, they are going to have to throw the ball downfield. I mean, they have to. Um, you you can't you can't win this way. This is run the ball. And, we, and we, they learned that with, on fourth and one. In the second half, they ran the ball right down the field. On fourth one, they got stopped, and the drive is over. So you do have to get some chunk plays to make it easier. But this is like football 101, right, man? You, you run the ball a bunch, you dial up play action, you chuck it down the field. So that's their form. Um, Alan Lazard has always been a pretty decent deep threat because people know that he's going to block them. So maybe he can get behind some guys. I wonder if Toure showed... Rodgers something last night that he hadn't shown him previously, and maybe just maybe that by the time people listen if people are listening to this on Tuesday afternoon, maybe they will acquire, have acquired a receiver to help with that. But they're they, they going to have to throw them because all that all those one yard passes they throw them for the first seven weeks got them nowhere. Right, because
2: for those to work, you have to block it absolutely perfectly, yeah. and you're not going to do that every time. So the percentage of those negative one air yard passes or zero air yard passes percentage of time those turn into the gains that you want is not that often you know the Packers have some good guys blocking on the perimeter and they got a couple of those last night up the sideline but that's just not a way an offense can be sustainable but I wanted to transition into the trade deadline it's tomorrow uh, afternoon the Packers are three and five like we said they're a game out of the playoffs we've discussed this before on here um I almost think there's more urgency to make a move this year for a wide receiver than there has been the past two years or three years, because as I've said, those years they could get away with not making a move and say, Oh, well we were so close. We felt like we had the the right guys in house to, to get over the hump, even though maybe one wide out would have, would have helped them do that this year. They can't sit back and say we have the guys in house who can help us get over the hump. And it's not just performance; it's injuries. Who knows how long Christian Watson's going to be out? That looked like a nasty concussion. Uh, Randall Cobb's on IR for a couple more games. You know, Sammy Watkins is always has the potential to get injured. It's not a great situation. Mm-hmm. There was one point I was looking at uh, through my binoculars on the pa- on the Packer sideline. It was Sammy Watkins, Samori Toure, Amari Rodgers... And Romeo Dobbs on the bench. It's like, Jesus, (laughs) they got to get someone. Even if it's a Brandon Cooks, I don't expect them to sell the farm for a DJ Moore or a Jerry Judy. Chase Claypool is probably out of their price range, but I expect them to make a move because they can't just sit back and say, oh, we're good with what we got because they're not. And if they sit back, it sends the message that they're waving the white flag. Sure, they could come out and say, oh, we were in the mix. We tried. Leak some reports wherever but we've talked about it bill they went as all in as you can go minus the wide receiver position now is their chance to add someone there while the season is not entirely lost yet i think they have to or else it sends the message that they're somewhat waving the white flag there's more urgency now to get someone than in years past would you agree
1: yeah, hundred um, percent. And I, I know in, in the in the fan questions, there are people asking they should trade Aaron Jones and, and rebuild. And look, I, I get the sentiment there. This might be the last year with Aaron Rodgers. And look, I, I realize he's not had a great year, maybe not even had a good year. Um, but he's still better than Jordan Love. And it, you, 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 to me, Matt, you could be three and five. I mean, they are three and five. You could be three and five coming off getting your butts kicked. But they actually played pretty well yesterday. But you just gotta get in the playoffs. You, to me, you just can't say, you know what, the Rodgers era is over. He's gonna win one Super Bowl. We're, we're gonna move on, and that's what it, to me signals if you're not gonna make a trade, you you've admitted defeat, and the Aaron Rodgers is gonna be over with the one Super Bowl. I think you you just gotta go. You gotta go for it, even if it's even if the odds are stacked against you. Actually, emerging from the NFC, I just think you gotta go for you. You've come this far on quote unquote all in. You might as well take another shot at it. Otherwise, all these other moves you've made are, are for naught. So, yeah, you, you got to go for Brandon Cooks is a 6,000-yard is a seasons the last seven years. He's a proven deep threat guy. Houston's selling, obviously. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. Or even if it's like – you mentioned Nelson Aguilar, didn't you, in your story as a, as a name you threw out there? Uh, I did not or mention Or Kendrick him, Bourne. Yeah, I, mean, those are- I mentioned Kendrick Bourne. Okay, so I mean, those aren't great receivers, but they are—they can stretch the field, right? I mean, Nelson Aguilar is a heck of a good deep threat. I realize he's got some flaws. He's not a number one receiver. Um, but if you can stretch the field with guy, the guys that defenses actually care about, I think that helps.
2: Bill, the last two seasons, Brandon Cooks, 2021, 90 catches, 1,037 yards, six touchdowns. 2020, 81 catches, 1150 and six touchdowns. Sounds like, cool a player, guy yeah. that, sounds like a guy that could help.
1: He's only 29. Um, I shouldn't say only, but he is 29. And he's under contract, I want to say through 24. So look, I don't think Green Bay is gonna be in one year rental mode either here, though. No. I, I would think they'd want to get a player who who's gonna help this year, but also can help next year or the year. In, you know. So it's it's like a it's a rookie contract guy who's got say he's under contract through twenty three or whatever, or or veteran like Cooks who's through twenty four. I don't think they're in the mood for a A.J. Green one-year rental. They're they're in this, I would think, to get someone who can help them this year or next.
2: Right. We we had a question from uh, Louis 95000 If you were a GM, would you trade for a receiver that was on their rookie deal? Ideally, but those guys would cost a lot more. Chase Claypool, yeah. Jerry Judy. If you're going to get a receiver still on his rookie deal, that's going to be a difference maker. He's going to be a guy that's going to cost a lot because he still is on his rookie deal. So if you can get a guy like cooks who has some year left, because like you said, you're not looking for a one year rental because you want a guy that can help, you know, try and make that push this year. But then also if it doesn't work this year, be around for years to come. So you're not just throwing away draft picks for, you know, half a season and and you get some, some more return. out of it.
1: Yeah. I wrote a trade deadline story on Saturday um, saying that I had heard that they're, legitimately looking to get a receiver and and people are like, but Rodgers isn't on the same page as these rookies. Is it, you're gonna have to break in this guy. I don't think, it, I don't think it is that way though, Matt. I, I think a veteran receiver sees defenses through a veteran receivers eyes and sees things that Romeo Dobbs, who might be a great player in time, just doesn't see right now. I don't think it would take a whole lot of time to get that veteran guy up to speed with what Rodgers is seeing, And mean, he can be a, Immediate comp, immediate impact players. So I, I I do think there's a different learning curve there than Joel rookie. No, absolutely. Because it, especially coming off the heels of what Rogers said about
2: all the mental mistakes. Yes, it would obviously take time for a new guy to learn this offense. But you'd think with certain things, um, a veteran would would know them more than a young guy. Maybe maybe a Romeo Dobbs, a Christian Watson. Even Amari Rogers, Samori Touré would know it because they've been in the offense, played with Rogers as opposed to a Brandon Cooks. But there's definitely some comfort level veteran. And uh, Brandon Cooks can play outside. He can play in the slot. He's kind of got that frame. Randall Cobb's injury, Amari Rogers, maybe not being in the quarterback's best, highest of graces, uh, he could certainly come in and make some big plays. And listen, if the offense can turn it around, that would solve a lot of things. And, and I'm going to use that to transition into the big concern for me, at least on this team is not really the offense, Bill. It's the defense. I wrote last night, you know, it's not, you know, this groundbreaking surprise that the offense and special teams are struggling. I mean, for crying out loud, the special teams was number 32 in Rick Goslin's rankings last year. Um, we knew the offense was going to hit some bumps without Devontae Adams and moving moving pieces on the offensive line. The defense was supposed to be their strength. They have six first-round picks, and that's not counting an all-pro in Devondre Campbell, Pro Bowl alternate in Russell Douglas, a guy they've given two big-money contracts to in Preston Smith, a solid underrated safety in Adrian Amos, and a couple other D-linemen who can hold their own in Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed and TJ Slayton. They, they haven't been good. You know, they don't rank in the depths of the league in some categories, except for takeaways, but my point is they're vastly underachieving. Joe Barry should have a top five unit. This is just one complaint I have. They are paying a cornerback more money per year than any cornerback in the history of the game of football to cover number two wide receivers while number one wide receivers go off. It happened against Justin Jefferson. It happened against Stephon Diggs last night. When Jair was on Gabe Davis for 14 of the 23 routes he ran and shut him down. While Stephon Diggs made Rasul Douglas and Darnell Savage look silly. I'm not calling for Joe Barry's job quite yet.
1: But those are the kind of repeated mistakes that get you fired. Yeah, I remember... One of the training camp episodes, I said that if Joe Burry doesn't have a top-five scoring defense, he should be fired. Now, that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I kind of si- it. They're number but
2: 16 right now.
1: They're number 16. They, they don't do anything well. It's unbelievable. they, well, they pressure the
2: passer well. Yeah, they it. Fine. So they, they do do that. Here's something. So, they're second in the NFL behind the Cowboys in pressure percentage. I believe they pressure uh, the opposing quarterback on just under 41% of dropbacks. But... They're tied for 17th in the league in sacks. So they're getting there, but on guys like Josh Allen and these mobile quarterbacks, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, these quarterbacks are still making plays even though they're getting pressured. Packers aren't finishing the play. They can't contain an edge to save their life.
1: Yeah, and it bites. the run defense is just so bad most of the time that – you you sure you sure like to be pressuring a quarterback on third and eight rather than third and three, right? For sure. You you, you get you, your odds are a lot better. So you, they it's a I don't know. I, they they bet they bet that Devontae Campbell was not a one year wonder, when they resigned him. And they bet that Rasul Douglas is not a one year wonder when they resigned him. Maybe they were just one year wonders.
2: I don't know. I wrote
1: I wrote that exact thing last night. It's certainly looking like it through eight games. And Quay Walker, you know, the, the ejection last night notwithstanding, he's been slow to the acclimate. Was that would that be fair to say that he's had his moments, but not not nearly enough? That's probably yeah, he's accurate. Had his
2: mo- he's had his moments. I, I I am inclined to give him the rookie pass, but he's shown enough where there's something there. They have to.
1: They, he, he's so versatile. They just have to figure out how to use him right. Yeah, and then and then you got Darnell Savage, Matt. Oh my God! Uh, my God! I mean, you've been on this for most of the season, but golly! So here comes Josh Allen running down the sideline, and look, he's getting, Allen's getting the first down anyway, right? He's he's going to if if Doug if Savage sticks him, he's still getting the first down in that third down. Not even know if it was a scramble, it was like just a bootleg, but he just goes running past him and throws out an elbow. And then there was a then there was the one running play to Singletary where he whiffed. He stinks. And, and they're on the hook for how many millions millions of dollars for him next year? That was 7.9. Yeah, so I guess they're lucky that's only 7.9 that safety's not an expensive position, but I have no idea what Goody was thinking on that one. Because I thought Savage had a good rookie year and he'd kind of plateaued or maybe trending slightly downward, and then they give him all that money. He can't tackle. That's like job number one for a safety shoot. You better tackle somebody. Because if you don't tackle somebody, you get Devin Singletary turning a gain of 8 into a gain of 32 or whatever it was. He is terrible. There was one, you know,
2: it was a tough angle where I was sitting in the press box, but I think Cook had one where he turned like a gain of 2 into a gain of 17 and there was the one on Allen where Savage thought, you know, sticking out his forearm would knock down a 6 foot 5 quarterback who's twice his size. Listen. You can't have a last name Savage and, and <laughs> be that afraid to tackle someone. It, it it just can't work. You're supposed to be a thumper, a playmaker, you're a first round draft pick. He he showed flashes before, certainly not this season. But man, that He has not lived up to, I don't even want to say the hype, but the, what the Packers need from him. He hasn't met it, he come anywhere close. He struggles in coverage. Him and Eric Stokes look lost out there. Neither of them want to tackle anybody. It's ridiculous. How can this Packers defense strike fear in anyone when their supposed hard-hitting safety just whiffs on tackles week after week after week it
1: happens every week yeah it's happened every week of his career i mean you look you'll go back and look at his missed tackle data he is always right at the bottom or the top depending on depending on your vantage point of the missed tackle percentage he's always he's always right at that right in that bad spot Matt, I I I, I kind of hit quickly on Quay Walker a minute ago. Um, you were there for Quay. I, I mean, this is like the the big secondary story from from last night was was Quay Walker's ejection. Um, to me, it looked like he just lost his temper for no good reason. It looked like he was tumbling out of bounds. According to the NBC broadcast, he kind of tumbled in toward a um, a practice squad tight end. Yeah, it looked like he was simply trying to keep him from rolling into him. And then he got up and freaked out about it. But you were there in the locker room for the exchange. Um, take us through. Take us through that.
2: Yeah. So he was like very regretful about it. Just like you said, he said basically he lost his cool, and you know he spoke for about two and a half minutes. And at the end, Stacy Dales from NFL Network asked him, you know, you seem very emotional. What's kind of what are you thinking about? What's going through your head right now? And he said, I don't know. Through very visible tears, and just walked out abruptly, ended the interview. That kind of spoke to the emotion about how he felt about it. Um, And here's what he said. He said, I was making a tackle on the sideline, my former teammate, James Cook, rookie running back from Georgia, Dalvin Cook's younger brother. And I just felt as I was getting up, I wasn't on him or anything like that. I just felt as I was getting up, I felt somebody push me from behind. And I probably misinterpreted what it was. And I just felt the push and I'm on their sideline, feelings just flowing. I'm very hyped and everything like that. And I just let it out out of emotion. Right away, as, as soon as I did that, I regretted that I did that. But it's something I'm going to have to live with and I'm going to have to face. I'm willing to do so. And someone asked it if he's kind of a emotional reactor to things. Um, and he said, yeah, sometimes my emotions can lead me to do things that after when I do them, I kind of regret that I did. It's a rookie mistake. A moment of rookie ignorance. Gave the Bills an extra 15 yards. They were on the Packers 43, I believe. Cook ran for seven yards on second and six. They scored four plays after the penalty to go up 20-7. to seven. Um, Bonehead mistake. Can't happen. But it's a learning experience. Uh, Matt LaFleur said to him, oh, maybe you can hear this uh, gate boarding right next to me. Um, <laughs> Matt LaFleur said to him right when he got off the field, and you can tell by the broadcast, anyone who can lip read, LaFleur said they always get the second guy.
1: So even if someone did
2: push Quay Walker. He was the second guy they're always going to get.
1: Him. Yeah, he was the first guy, Matt. But I, I, I thought yeah. this is the really good line. You, got, you guys are going to have to send the Quay Walker quotes yesterday. I thought this is a really mature line from him. It's something I can't do, and that's something I already know. I kind of hate that I did it because people that don't really know me are going to really assume that I'm this bad guy just because of that one play. I think that's a really, really good line. Yep. By Walker, that's a guy. I think he gets, he it. gets it. He gets it. Um, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen again, but he un- he understands. And I know there are, there's a lot of people out here who or think who think these guys don't care. Um, this guy cares about it. So um, certainly hurt him. I mean, you, you couple that with Devondre Campbell walking up with a ice pack around his right knee. You end up with Isaiah McDuffie, who's a pretty good player along with Eric Wilson, who's been here for, what, four weeks playing linebacker for the second half of a game. So um, not ideal. I'll be, we'll, we'll, I'll just say LaFleur gives give us some information later on Campbell, but maybe he won't. But man, oh man, um, just when Campbell has a really big game against Washington to see him limping off, not a good sign.
2: Yeah, not a good sign. We'll see uh, what Matt LaFleur has to offer about the various injuries moving forward. I I will say, you know, it was good to see Christian Watson walk off under his own power. The backboard came out for a second, and it looked nasty. I've never seen Flea, uh, Brian Engel, the head trainer who goes by the nickname Flea, sprint out to a player as fast as he did to to Christian Watson yesterday. Uh, And then they brought the backboard out, but Watson got up and walked off under his own power, quickly ruled out with a concussion, so that's always something to, to monitor. Um, and then, of course, the foot injury to Elton Jenkins that kept him out. So, a couple things to note when Matt Lafleur talks later today. You might already be listening to this after Lafleur talks at 3 p.m. Central Time.
1: Uh, let's get to some questions. You know, speaking real quick of Watson too. You know, Rodgers said they had what a half dozen plays in just for him that they really liked. That really shows the talent of him. You know, he's missed. He missed the previous two games and three of the last five. Um, for him to come off of a pretty lengthy absence because he played parts of those other games to be featured part of the game plan really shows what they think of him. Right. All right, go ahead, Matt. What do you got? From Scott Nealitz,
2: what's more important, trade for a receiver to salvage the season or trade assets to mortgage present for the future? You know, We kind of touched on this. They're kind of in a, a tricky spot because the sensible answer would be trade assets to mortgage for the future. Um, but what kind of message would that send to all your owners, to the fan base, to the league when you're Like we said, for as dire as this season seems and as dire as we're making it seem because they are playing terribly, they're one game out of a playoff spot. So yes, the likelihood is they're not going to win anything of substance this year. Not the division, not the NFC title, not the Super Bowl. But you had the line to Rodgers a couple weeks ago. All that matters is you have a chance. You get in and have a chance to make a run. Listen, it's unlikely But until that chance is zero, you have to go for it. Given all the resources you've put into this team, you have to go for it. So what's more important is trading for a receiver to salvage the season. What's more sensible, trading for the future. But The Packers have put themselves in a position where they can't afford to do what's most sensible,
1: if that makes sense. It does. They're not going to do it. I wonder what you'd get for Aaron Jones, though. Uh, I think you would get
2: a McCaffrey-esque package.
1: Probably because he's healthier than McCaffrey. You you could get probably,
2: I would think, first and a third, or four mid-round picks. And by mid, I mean starting in second. So,
1: what they get from McCaffrey, they got four picks. Yeah, was it was it was it two, three, four, five? Something like that. Something I, like that. I I'm know. saying
2: if a team calls, they're not going to do it. No, they're not. But. but let's just say all things neutral. If a team called and offered a first and a second, or a f- well, not a third, not a first and a third. The Packers should not be allowed to pick in the third. No, that's a good again. point. Um, if they offered a first and a second for Aaron Jones, a team really desperate, the Eagles, the Bills, you do it in a heartbeat. No one would offer that, I don't think, but um, it would certainly be enticing.
1: Next question. question. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's because I he his base salary or it's his cap number goes up to this astronomical level next year. Where it's like when he signed that contract, all of us kind of assumed that this would be his last year in Green Bay, and he, so. I mean, if you feel like you're going to get rid of them, it, it is an interesting conversation. Though they're not going to get rid of them because they need to go win, but it is interesting. All right, here's one here from, here's one. Uh, um, I can't read his name. It's, in a, it's, it's A-N-5-F-E-R. How many signs should a petition get so that Gutekunst is fired? I know it's not realistic, but what's your guess? And the only reason why I asked that, Matt, is he's under a new contract. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. But I know there's a, there's a few goody questions in here. I figured I would just throw that out there. There's a way to say that. He and LeFleur are under contract extensions. That's guaranteed money. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. But that doesn't mean we can't question the job he's done. Um, That's right.
2: Listen, he's put together the past couple of years, one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. But there are some flaws in it. His last four first-round picks, four of his last five first-round picks, Darnell Savage, Bad. Jordan Love, we don't know, hasn't played. 2021, Eric Stokes, bad this year. 2022, Quay Walker gets ejected last night. Hasn't really done much of substance this year. His third-round picks are absolutely dreadful. Sean Ryan, too early to tell, he hasn't played. 2021, Amari Rogers, you all know the story there. 2020, Josiah DeGuara non-factor 2019 Jay Sternberger he's making jokes on Twitter about Terry McLaurin getting drafted behind him that's how bad that situation was 2018 Oren Burks I mean just he should be banned from picking in the third round and yes he's put together a good a good team so some of it's on coaching and some of it's on the players but like we said Too early to tell right now, those contracts that he gave to Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas are looking a little iffy. And Russ Ball should be grouped in with that as well. But um, listen, there are things out of their control. You give a contract that you probably should have given to the back-to-back MVP. You give a contract that you probably should have given to the best left tackle in football. Things happen after that that are out of your control and I don't think that should reflect poorly on a general manager's job. I think he's still a good general manager, but there are some, some cracks in the woodwork that are starting to get exposed. I still think it's more on coaching and players, but Goody is far from blame.
1: Yeah, you know, on the one-year wonders of, of Campbell and Douglas, but they had to make those moves, though, right? I mean, they had to, you, yeah. You, you, yeah, you just went 13-4. You, you moved on from Devontae, um, which is a whole other conversation. But if you're, if you're, if you're trying to win games, you you got to bet on Devondre Campbell. What are are you, you, you going to let him walk and need to go draft another linebacker? You need to draft two linebackers then? Are you going to let Rasul Douglas go and then try to go draft a, another rookie to play right away? I mean they they had to they had to do it. I'm not questioning that they did it. Um and, and I bet even in, I bet even in his heart of hearts he probably he probably even knew the risk of those guys being one-year wonders, but they were so darn good. The team was really good. What are you going to do? You had to I mean, yep. uh,
2: I agree. I was thinking about that this morning. That's one of those things where you trust the process. Obviously, the process is good. The results might not be. And you look yep. back on it, hindsight's twenty twenty, 20 obviously. Um, but, I mean, you had to make those moves. It just might be one of those where it just doesn't turn out as well as you thought. There's still time to turn it around, though. All right, I have to board my flight soon. Let's get to two more questions. <laughs> is, is a Nagberry flashing to the point where the Packers can feel confident counting on him as edge three in 2023? Yes, is my yep. answer. There was one play that told me that yesterday where Josh Allen, who's faster than every Packers defender on the field in the front seven, a Nagberry pursued him scrambling from the opposite of the line of scrimmage and actually kept up with him pretty well. I haven't seen, I said this to Rob in the press box, I haven't seen a Packers edge, aside from a couple times for Sean Gary, who still doesn't set a great edge, I haven't seen an edge rusher for the Packers pursue the run like that in God knows how long. He's got some motor
1: to him. He can be a guy. Yep, absolutely right. Uh, he had sacks in back-to-back games heading into this one. Speaking of Rashawn Gary, there was one time where um, Allen beam around the corner and he just flat-out quit on the play. It's like, bang. That was uh, that was unexpected from Rashawn Gary just to not pursue. Um, from TADHG, a whole bunch of other letters after that. Here's a positive one. I feel like we genuinely are a good team that is not far away, especially in a lackluster NFC this year. Do you agree with
2: that, Matt? Uh, do I think they're a good team? No, that is not far away. Well, they're, they're not far away literally because they're a game out of the playoff race, but good teams don't disappear for halves at a time. Good teams don't have coaches who have mind boggling game plans. Good teams have a balanced offensive attack and seem to know their identity, not after their best running game of the season, their most impressive one, the quarterback says, to be successful, we need to throw the ball downfield. I, I, don't, I just don't think they're a good team. But guess what? There are a lot of teams that are not good teams that are going to be competing with them for the playoffs, so they might touch a break this year. Listen, the Rams have a losing record. The Buccaneers have a losing record. The 49ers are five hundred. The Packers have a losing record. There, There's a lot of trash football. The Eagles... Cowboys, the Giants came back down to earth yesterday. I mean, the Seahawks are good, but the Eagles and Cowboys are really cream—the cream of the crop in the NFC. Besides, after that, it's all up for grabs. And the Vikings—I sh- I should include the Vikings, six and one. But even then, you know, I was watching uh, Sports Center on on the plane this morning, and they had a note that the only team with a winning record that the Vikings have beaten this year is the Dolphins and in that game the Dolphins started their number three quarterback Skyler Thompson mm-hmm. so we don't even know if the Vikings are good it's wide open if the, the Aaron Rodgers said it yesterday all they need is one win to shift the yep. tenor of the season if they can beat Detroit convincingly get some confidence back you know we've been talking about it around the building there's no way Mike McCarthy comes into Green Bay and beats his old team, right? <laughs> or, I mean, if they win that, they get back to 5-5. Five and five. Tennessee, Philly, it's going to be tough. This next stretch is going to be tough, but it's got to start with a win against Detroit. If they lose against Detroit, season's over. If they win Detroit, they keep it on the tracks for a little while longer.
1: Yeah, that's why I asked that question, because that Rodgers line just needs one win to get the momentum going. Maybe, maybe just grasping at straws, Matt. Maybe that's all it is. Um, it's funny, you look going through the questions today, there's so much positivity on this Twitter thread, Matt. And to me, that's that's where these Packers are. You come off a game where you know they're going to lose and they didn't get embarrassed, and people are kind of, eh, it's okay. There's a lot more positivity today than there has been. Well, maybe that's because all I... these Packer fans that Packers plus 10 and a half and they
2: only lost by 10, <laughs> so maybe they made some money. There we go. Like to get, yeah, I mean, they did a great job covering the spread. Good teams win, great teams cover. I don't gamble on the NFL anymore because I am not allowed to for my company rules as of this season. But, man, that was an exhilarating cover for anyone who had Packers plus 10 and a half. And, listen, nobody expected Packers to win that game. They could have cut it to a possession if Mason Crosby made that field goal. It looked like Jack Coco had a low snap. Oh, it was awful. Um,
1: Terrible snap.
2: Yeah. Not he, even close. He's, he's kind of regressed. Um, that's the story for – we can discuss that later because I need to go catch my flight. But, um, look, they were an on-site kick away from making things real interesting against arguably the best team in the NFL last night. So if Packers fans want to take a, uh, take solace in that, that's fine. It's the games before that that'll bite you. The Jets and Giants both lost yesterday. They're, they might come back down to earth. The Commanders won again, but they're still the Commanders. I mean – those are the games that are going to bite you down the road. So we'll see if they can turn it around. They've got games against the Bears, two against the Lions, the Dolphins. You know, can they upset the Rams? They're not having a good year. Pull one off against the Titans at Lambeau. There, time's running out. But a nine and eight record might get you in the playoffs this year, and that's still alive as bleak as it seems, and rightfully so for any fans who want to view it like that, it's still alive. All right, Matt, hop on an airplane. All right. Talk to you later. I'll see you uh, see you at LaFleur later, and maybe by that point, they will uh, have traded for a wide receiver. Maybe Sounds we'll have good. an emergency podcast to talk about the wide receiver they traded for.
1: Sounds good. We, we need right. good things to write about. All right. Yeah, Thanks, everybody. Too.